I det här avsnittet av veckans affärers hållbarhetspodd så träffar jag professor Peter Hopkinson. Han är professor på Bradford University inom innovation och environmental strategy. Han är en av de främsta när det gäller cirkulär ekonomi. Och vi pratar både om hur man fångar och verkligen genomför cirkulär ekonomi och så att man tjänar på det. Vi tittar också på vad de möjligheter och utmaningar som finns med det och vi pratar om vad som kan vara användbart på ett tomatskal eller ett apelsinskal och hur man kan tjäna ännu mer pengar om man verkligen tänker cirkulärt. Så varmt välkomna att lyssna på den här veckans avsnitt med professor Peter Hopkinson som är på engelska och en halvtimme långt. Welcome to this business podcast, veckans affärers hållbarhetspodd. My name is Jessica Sederberg-Woodmar. I'm here today with Peter Hopkinson who's a professor at Bradford University. A warm welcome here Peter. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. As you hear on your dialect, you're from the UK and you work at, as a professor at the Bradford University. With You are a professor of innovation and environmental strategy. That's right. I'm at the business school. You're at the business school. Yeah. yeah. And you're a leader of one of the top 10 ranked MBAs. You also are an advisor to Ellen MacArthur Foundation. You are an author of many books. You're coming out with a new one very soon, right? I'm, I'm trying to write one, another you're one, on, on circular economy, yes. Yeah, and that, that's titled something about circular economy yes because you are one of the top most knowledgeable and uh, most uh, well-known people about circular economy but you have meandered through 30 years of, of professorship and, and work like you, you've been working with management environment economics IT science energy technology entrepreneur and all of them are very useful when you're working with circular economy right That's right. Summarize my my career very well. Thank <laughs> okay, you. Okay, great. But actually, I wanted to ask you the first question that I ask all of the people that come here is: How do you define what is business crucial sustainability work? Business crucial sustainability work. That's a good good question. Very complex. Um, yes. But uh, we well, first of all, we've got to we we've, there's two ways of looking at that. One is the the global macro perspective. Mm-hmm. And the second is, the, if you like, the, the business firm-specific perspective. Oh. So on the macro perspective, we look around the world, and we, we d- I don't think we need any reminder or, or any more statistics or any more, more data, uh, although it is some, some of the uh, ideas are being challenged at the moment by the new president in the USA around, around climate change, around the uh, demise and degradation of um, natural capital, of ecosystems, water pollution, you look around, population growth, etc, etc. So the conditions in which business have to operate are ever more challenging, ever more demanding, and therefore there's a a responsibility, there's a a necessity for business to engage with that broader perspective. You know, humanity and civilization depends on those. Not just pick one of the the raisins like economy or or social or environmental, you have to take the whole cookie. You have to, they're systemic. It's very difficult to separate them out. And uh, whilst we might sort of applaud uh, high levels of economic growth, economic growth that's actually undermining and undercutting uh, the essential life support systems on which we depend as a species Mm -hmm. and as our national and, and global economies, if they're being degraded to the point of collapse or, or ultimate stress, then we all lose. So There's no business on a dead planet. Correct. Mm, okay. well, well put, well mm. put. And then there's the firm-specific perspective, which is that so individual firms, supply chains, uh, business ecosystems, uh, product categories, they have their own individual uh, impacts and they have their own individual 
um, resource material energy requirements. They have their own contribution to, to waste flows and also to you know sort of quality of life. Therefore, for individual firms and supply chains and value chains, therefore there's both pressure but also opportunity by engaging with, with sustainability. And what I'm interested in, always have been, is how do you make a positive response against those pressures? Mm. How, do you, how do you make a positive response both to the macro agenda and at the firm product value chain specific level? Okay, and that's really why I, I got, I've got particularly interested in the circular economy because I think it helps to square both those two, those two uh, agendas, the macro and the micro, in a very interesting and creative way. I heard and read uh, from you that you, you, you put it like it's a positive spiral of development when you use circular economy in the correct way. But when talking about, you can put down the glass, everybody knows that we have water here in the okay. studio, so it's okay. But when, when we talk about circular economy, that's a word that really hasn't been defined yet. It's something very trendy. I have been to numerous uh, seminars on it. I have already, I have also held seminars about it. And all the businesses define this a bit different and there is no no really to say this is circular economy. The same way that sustainability can have a different yes. kind of wording. Yes. But that's about to change. You have something in Britain called uh, British Standard and it's coming out of British Standard 8001 yes. on circular economy. Correct. Is that correct? Is that going to change the game? Well, I think so. I think it's going to help clarify terms. Um, I mean, there are, there are other British standards uh, that have existed and st- still exist, which have been very helpful in devi- defining terms such as w- what do we mean by remanufacture mm-hmm. versus refurbishment versus reuse. So there is a, a terminology and a, and a nomenclature out there which is in recognised standards that people actually haven't realised because a lot of the debate in the circular economy is sort of saying, well, what, what do you mean by remanufacture? What do you mean by refurbishment? So the British Standard 8001 is, is in draft at the moment, and I'm old enough to remember mm-hmm. British Standard 7750, which came out in 1994. You're, you're yeah. much younger than I am, so you won't remember it. And that became ISO 14001, yeah. the international standard, which I, I imagine many of your listeners will 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 know but you know and probably operate with him so i see british standard 8001 as being at the same point in time as we were with 7750 it's a framework and it's it, it's stated that it, it's there to support an organization at any point in their journey within this circular economy framework. And also that we, last week I had uh, Svanens VD Ragnar Unge here and he's about uh, how to brand things with 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 uh, märken or märkning or certifications and he said that this is very important and what you're talking about is coming on circular economy so that's really really a very strong trend that's coming along. But I was also wondering when you when you talk about circular economy mm-hmm. and you work with this for, for a long time can you give us some examples examples about what you see as circular economy, some examples of, of how to use, reuse, because y- you said that we've gone from take, make to dispose, dispose to take, make, and then do something again with it. Mm-hmm. So can you give us some examples about okay. what you think is, is okay. happening right now, yeah. kind of a trend within this? Yeah, okay. And it's not just take, make, reuse, but it's wh- how you take it as yes. well that's important. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a very important part of the, the framework. But we, we refer to different uh, business models or business model archetypes for the circular economy. And, and p- 
people define these or categorize these in many different ways. But for, for example, the classic ones, the simple ones, are creating a, a more valuable resource out of what otherwise would be considered a waste stream. Okay. okay extracting a valuable resource in a waste stream that otherwise might be dumped, go to landfill, might be burnt, etc. Your example is tomatoes and orange peels, right? Correct. Okay. So let's just take two examples. So if you've, 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 you'll all have eaten a fresh tomato, uh, okay, so you know it's got a tomato skin and you can eat that. But in when you have tin tomatoes, for example, the, the, the skins get disposed of, okay, uh, mm. at, a, at a canning factory. Well, a tomato skin is a source of very, very valuable potentially valuable biochemicals and one, one of the classic ones in tomato skin is something called lysopene. Okay. That makes your skin younger, right? Well, it's got all sorts of uh, properties in the pharmaceutical and naturaceutical uh, sort of industry. So it, not younger, but more, more firm and more, more yeah, healthy and s- yeah, like that. Yeah, but it's also, uh, it's got carotenoids. It's got all sorts of qualities to it that can be used in all sorts of uh, drugs and, and, and uh, healthcare products. Okay. okay, And it's an extremely valuable um, uh, material if you can extract it at a high level of purity. So what we have (coughs) is uh, green chemistry, so different ways of of doing chemistry, which are often water-based, low energy, benign, uh, operate at um, room temperature, in closed-loop systems, and they don't produce the hazardous waste that you often get with classic pharmaceutical production. So there are all sorts of people working on tomatoes and other products, uh, there's a team based in um, Cambridge uh, working with innovators and entrepreneurs in London who are looking at a, um, a, a solvent extraction system. Now, if they, if th- they can th- crack that. They've almost cracked it. And if you can get 50,000 tonnes of tomato skins, which is nothing, it sounds like a exactly, lot. Exactly. I should say that's, that's nothing. That's like one day's production Probably in a, a, canning in a tin factory. can factory. Yeah. So yeah. you go to a country like Greece, Italy, uh, every time you have tomato paste or, or tomato yeah. puree, you can imagine how that's much tomato they skin. Dump the s- they dump the skin every, every right. day that's of that that's amount. Right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that if you, c- if you can extract, if you can get 50,000 tonnes, the amount of lysopene that you can extract is worth a considerable amount of money, roughly 20, 20 million. 20 uh, million pounds? Yeah. 20 million pounds yeah. from 50 tonnes of... 50,000 tonnes. 50, to extract tons. you 5,000 kilograms of lysopene. Yeah. Okay. okay, so t- you know, the, the numbers vary slightly depending on which technique, but you, c- you suddenly start to look at tomato skins. In a very different way. In a very different way. But so also, I must say, because tomato skins today, we are, they, are, they have to pay to get them out of the factory, and they have to pay to put them on someone's uh, uh, dump, yor- dump or, or yard or, or uh, a, a field or crops yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But in this process, if I, if I understand correctly, you can still use the tomato skins after you extracted the, the, the lyocene and still use them as a fertilizer if you want it. Well, there's, I don't know about that in this particular case, but that, that's an interesting point about, about what, what we call the cascading of materials, okay. in, in particularly biological materials. It's called you know, the cascading principle of looking at a resource and looking at what, what's the highest value that we can extract from that resource or that material or that what we currently define as waste. What's the highest value that we can extract now and in doing that, then what's the next highest value that we can extract from whatever comes next, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to the point 
where you end up with something that is is uh, biodegradable, d- compostable, non-toxic, um, non-hazardous, and can be returned to the soil. Mm. So when I said about tape, mate, dispose, what you want ultimately is in a closed system, a circular system, is to return that biological material back to the soil. So you can grow more tomatoes and get more. Or put it onto land yeah. for f- soil fertility, because mm-hmm. one of the one of the big hidden. Uh, challenges and, and, and worrying trends in, 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 in you know, at the planetary level is the loss of soil. Yeah. We depend on it. We are losing it at a huge rate. We're uh, losing it. We're, we're damaging it. Uh, we're, we're, the salt levels are increasing. The fertility levels are uh, falling. So it's one of the hidden sort of Worries. Mm. Okay, so tomatoes is one example. There's many others in the biological. But you also have a very good one about oranges because the orange peels are also very useful because all these is good examples because we usually hear about Airbnb, we hear about sharing economy, we hear stuff about how you, you rent a place on an airplane because when you went here, you, you just rented a, a place yeah. on the airplane. You didn't yeah. buy the airplane. That's right, renting, yeah. Yeah. Peop- yeah, and people say that people won't rent certain things and... You know, the sharing economy. Would, would you would you share your sheets with someone, for example? It came I up do in that at a, at a hotel every time. That's right. It came yeah. up in yesterday's um, question and answer session where somebody said, "I wouldn't share my sheets through the you know the sharing economy." Yeah. But well, you do it in a hotel all the time. Your right. towels. What anyway? So going back to orange peel. Yeah, please. Do okay, that, Peter. So if you've ever squeezed an orange. Yes. For juice. Yes. Yeah. And what are you left with? Yeah, left with a big handful of orange peel and all that. Uh, what do they call it? Pith, uh, yeah. pith in, um, in 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 Britain. Okay, there's, there's more waste than there is product. Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's classic. Yeah. Okay, and what you do? You usually throw it in the bin. Maybe you throw it in the compost bin, but it's very difficult. It's slow to, to decompose. Well, if you've ever just scratched or, or smelt the orange skin, it's a wonderful smell. Okay, yeah. and they are full of oil. <coughs> They're f- full of all amazing chemicals. You can imagine, can't you? Sunshine, water. Good soil, you know. This fruit is—it's there. You know, it's a fruit. It's there as a. As so a, as you a po- see it as a, as a as a gift from nature, full of, of again green chemicals. Green that you can chemicals, use. biochemicals. So brilliant people uh, at a university near where I work, at the University of York, the International Green Chemistry Centre. They're, they're absolutely brilliant uh, scientists. So they've worked out techniques to extract things like pectins oils, starches, all sorts of um, materials out of the orange peel, almost at a commercial on, in, in a, a commercial scale. Now, if you then think about juicing factories in the US, in uh, Spain, you know, huge, like the tomatoes, huge amounts of this waste. Yes. And I, I can't remember the figures from yesterday's slide, but the figures are colossal, something like 10,000 t- tonnes of wet waste per annum, mm. generates somewhere around about 10, 11 million pounds of valuable biochemicals okay and what why it works and this is this is the you know this is the thinking why it works first of all you've already aggregated the material out mm-hmm. at a site so you've, you've already dealt with all the logistic costs of getting because this comes as a bonus after all the things because it's, it's already profitable to just Juice. harvest the, the uh, oranges and produce the juice but this is an add-on that's right uh, this yeah. is yeah. added value and it even has more value than the first one. Yeah, yeah. So it's the application of science and technology mm. through innovation and entrepreneurship. Mm. And, w- and of course, the, then you get the, the added benefits. What do they do with the orange peel normally? They burn it. 
Okay. Yeah. Contribution to CO two emissions, global warming. Okay. Okay. So in so you know, and, and so it's a win win. It's a win win for everybody. Now again, what you've got to ensure is that the oranges themselves, what the ideal model is, the oranges themselves are being grown, what in what we would call a re- regenerative, restorative way, ideally organic. So no pesticides, no. No, no uh, unnecessary fertilizers. Uh, you know, you prefer to have biological, biodynamic uh, insect uh, control. Yeah, all sure of the stuff that you have to do when yeah, you do the irrigation bio- systems are in closed loops. So, yeah. You know, etc. Mm. etc. So you can apply it to uh, soil waste, rice, whatever you've got. Yeah. Biological waste that's been aggregated at scale. You've got an opportunity. So in the case of Sweden, yeah, you look around. What have you got? A lot of trees. Yeah. Okay huge amounts of trees and bark, uh, waste, uh, leaf litter, um, etc, etc, have got, got valuable, valuable chemicals and people are looking at these things in many, many different ways. So there's new industries, yeah. whole new industry sectors that can open up, that can substitute for fossil fuel based chemical industry, yes. Okay, extract much higher value out of the raw materials in the first instance. And close the loop close the loop. Because that's what also happens when you do that. Yeah, and this is known as biorefinery technology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's one example. You and I are talking about a seminar that was ha- held yesterday uh, by NMC and Nijensliv. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Holbara... Nijensliv, it's Holbarets um, network. Uh, in that session, you, you gave a speech and you talked also about the... the how to capture and create value from a circular economy. Sure. Can you please uh, tell us and the listener how to create and capture value from a circular economy? You, you've given us examples, but you have also kind of a, a model for yes. that. Yes, okay. Okay, we're going back to the micro perspective because what, what most business people are interested in is how does it work for me? Yeah, exactly. Okay? And their ability to influence the macro picture is limited, but even though the macro picture is very relevant. So at the, at the firm level, we, we talk about value creation and value capture. Okay, So there's all sorts of ways you can create value, but then you've got to be able to capture it. You've got to get someone to pay you some money to do it. And whatever you do, you've got to be able to beat the reference case, the, the current case, the, the, the business as usual case. So they're the two challenges. So right. Take them again. You have to beat the, the current business case. The li- that's called, you've got to beat the linear model, and the linear setup. Yeah. yeah? And you've got to be able to capture the value. So there's exactly. all sorts of ways you can create value. So, for example, we could say we could we think we can create value from tomato skins, mm. but can we capture it? Is there enough money in there? Who are we going to sell it to? You know, on what on what Does basis? Does the business model really work? And how much money yeah. can you really make? It's the business Not just case an estimation, yeah, but really right. a calculation. And also, you go through kind of a system to make sure yeah. that this this costs yeah. this much, this does yes. this, that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you end up with, okay, we're going to make 30% extra. Yeah, that's right. And in the case of the tomato skins, who owns the tomato skins? Uh, Is it the canning factory or the growers? The canning factory. Ah, you see. So the tomato growers, in this case, you've got to say value capture and value distribution. Tomato growers are going to turn around and say, hang on. <laughs> I just uh, sold you my tomatoes for, for this much, yeah. and now you earned 30% more than I sold you the tomatoes so for. So it shifts, it shifts mm. the, the whole value, the, 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 the amount of value, and then you've got to, for it to work, then you've got to sort of get, get into sort of negotiation about the distribution But of that's value. how it works today with, with waste dipo- disposal. Yeah. You pay us in Sweden to take your waste Mm. and we burn it and we sell the energy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, similar thing. Yeah. We do it for particular reasons. Okay. So, 
Um, so how, how does it work? Well, the, the way we look at it, and, and a lot of this work has been developed uh, in about four or five years ago by the Alan MacArthur Foundation with McKinsey, uh, which, which sort of stimulated a, you know, a lot of uh, attention around the business case, the, the economic case. And, and it's very clever because they, they have four simple building blocks. So they talk, to be able to do something in a circular way, you normally have to do four things. You, need, you have to look at design of the product and the service. Okay, You need to uh, give attention to what we call the reverse network, Okay, because most linear models work one way, uh, a forward uh, logistics model, uh, getting stuff back is, is much more difficult. Okay, uh, Especially if you way. haven't thought about the design, so Almost you can take them back, right. you can disassemble them right. and stuff like that. So Almost impossible. First design and then reversed. Uh, yeah. So you need to be able to collect to be able to do something with mm -hmm. it, okay? And if it's dispersed and distributed into a consumer market, very difficult. Um, the third thing is you've got to give attention to the underlying business model, that, that point about how's it going to work in terms of capturing the value, real money, okay? Mm -hmm. And the fourth thing, thing is what we call the role of enablers uh, and collaboration. And the classic enabler is, is digital technology, digital transformation digital media, et cetera, et cetera, which is unlocking all sorts of new opportunities and, and, and causing huge amounts of disruption, as I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners will appreciate. Mm -hmm. uh, the publishing industry is a classic yes. uh, example of being that's being disrupted. So w every case is different. That's the important thing. And there's no silver bullet. You can't just you know go off to the shelf, pick, pick out British Standard 8001 and, and look it up and say, I make uh, engines, I do this, I do that, and that's how to do it. You've got to sit down, you've got to say, what's our current business model? And a lot of businesses find that very difficult. You would think they would know straight away that that's, we know what our business model is, but they often don't. They sort of, mm, well, but, and the, 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 and qu the question they, is... They, they, they don't really share that either, no. because you, ca you can't do copy paste or copy with pride unless you really know what to copy and yeah. and the way that things works today is that you're not transparent about that how you conduct your business and what your business model is that's right. you give a picture but that's not the whole picture no. and and exactly as you're saying uh, everything is not crystal clear when it comes down to you have to put things in boxes it has to be crystal clear yeah. because then you have to have a square box and you cannot put in a round ball in that box. You can't, you can't put a circle in a round. No. Well, you yeah. Okay. You know what? Yeah. yeah. A, a, okay. I a, a round peg in a square hole. No, yeah. it doesn't work. So, so the first thing, you know, and, the, and the, you know, the, the underlying question, you know, the easiest question to ask about that is how do you make your money? Yeah. Okay. So I won't ask how the heck an affair make that money, but you know, that, that'd be the question. So then we say, okay, you've got to do something about design. You've got to design, as you've just described, for circularity, for potentially getting stuff back or, or going into a, an, a, another value stream or a, um, a, a parallel industry. You've got to work out how you're going to get stuff back, uh, the reverse logistics, the transportation, the stockholding, and then what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. The third thing then, you've got to decide uh, you know, what you, if you do get stuff back or you're going to give it work with third parties. Are you getting it back to resell it? Uh, are, are you going to get stuff back at all. Um, are you going to shift from a, an ownership model to an access model? Mm -hmm. Okay, you've just talked about Airbnb, it's the classic example. But the classic, most classic example that almost everybody in an office has is the Xerox uh, copiator, mm. uh, the rank Xerox copiator, because they've gone from selling to hiring out and taking back and do service on everything and, and, and just 
they have done this. They're, they're the classic. The, the printer industry is, is the classic, as you've said. And it's a very clever model. It's a bait and hook model, isn't it? Yeah. They sell you a printer, but where they, no, so this is interesting, where do they really make their money? By me renting the printer and ser they serving them. Yeah, serving it with what? Uh, with the uh, toners. The toner. They make more money on yeah. the toner than anything else. And then they structure their printing contracts in such a way that that's, that's how they make their money. But it's, that's a very clever example is mm. Xerox. They've been doing it for years. So have Ricoh, Hewlett-Packard. And electronics is, 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 you know, they've got all the what we would call the axiom axiomatic conditions for remanufacturing and performance-based contracts. It, it's almost a perfect model, mm. uh, you know. So, and, and then what they've got is they've got field engineers, service engineers. They've already got a team with capability who come out, service, and, and bring things back. Mm. Now, you think it is a perfect model, but, but we've been doing work with some of these companies, and th there comes a point in time when it starts to actually become very complex because of technological shifts in things like software, okay. changing demands of the, of the client or the customer, mm -hmm. changing requirements on materials. All sorts of things can change. And then, and then being undercut in the market by cheaper rivals, okay, yes. uh, you know, who start to undercut, who haven't got those same axiomatic principles. So it's very interesting. It becomes very challenging and interesting academically, but it's also interesting from a business point of view. Mm -hmm. So just going back, the, 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 you know, the key enabler usually is something around digital technology, either because you're in the digital uh, sort of arena yourselves, or that uh, you can see how to make things work in ways that you previously couldn't because of the very, very low costs of digital information uh, um, creation and exchange now, you know, usually through uh, mobile phones, using apps. Yeah. yeah, so the digitalisering and also the sharing of, of knowledge yeah. and information yeah. has shifted. So you think, yeah, yeah. so think about something like mobility as a yeah, service. Exactly. How does it work? Okay, mobile phone, you're in Amsterdam, where's the nearest electric car that I can hire? You buy your credit card or your, your top-up card from a suitable outlet, it's 200 metres away, it's fully charged, you go along, you put your card in, you open the door, you put it in, you drive off, then you get on your mobile phone, where's the nearest point that I can drop it back and plug it in? Yeah. You couldn't have done that 10 years ago. No. So that fundamentally changes the way we think about transport and mobility and the opportunities. And then you start to then get new, new value chains because the, uh, the car service companies have got to link in with the electricity generating, providing companies and then you start to get other so players. collaboration is also a key New, word you have a yeah. keyword of good design yeah. and you have a keyword also that says that waste equals food because somebody's waste is food for for their their what they need in the in the case of the tomato skins and, and oranges they are waste but they are food for another industry well, so it's, it's an absolutely crucial um, principle and almost philosophy ar ar around, and it comes from cradle to cradle. Exactly. Okay, and the reason that we lose a lot of value um, and, and end up with what you've just described as burning waste in Sweden that's come out of the UK is because we contaminate uh, our, our materials. We we mix up biological materials and technical materials. They've they've got catalysts. They've got um, additives. They've got colouring. They've got adhesives because they're not designed for reuse or, or subsequent lives or, or cycles, no. okay? 
So if we started off at the principle, everything we do has got to end up as being food for something else. If we just applied that to everything we did, mm. it would be a huge step in the right direction. But one can argue also that your waste is our food because it drives our... our um, um, heating systems here in Sweden and we also have very strict regulations on what to import and has to yes. be checked and controlled and stuff like that so but this is more about adding value because when you have burned this what is left is ash and today ash is just it's just put in a block of concrete and, and left there yeah and uh, so you can do a lot of stuff before that that's what yeah. we're talking about so in 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 I have to ask also because you work with this for 30 years and I know that when you started working with this for six years ago, mm. you said that something happened to you. What happened to you when you started working <laughs> with circular economy? Was that, did I say something yesterday? Yeah. Uh, what did I say? Uh, you said you, you became happy again. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you became like uh, positive about that th the future is going to be sustainable and yeah, that it's yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. And you see more solutions than you see see uh, challenges that's right but what what is it that makes that because when you work with sustainability and when you work with with this kind of of uh, questions sometimes a lot of things comes at you so yes. how do you find that energy that positive that that okay. happiness okay i wasn't unhappy uh before no I'm but sorry. i i th i th okay so I, a lot of the work that I do has been, been informed and supported by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, Dame Ellen MacArthur and her team, who are fantastic. They're an absolutely fantastic team. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they've got... Um, and the, the, the thing I took away from the first time I heard Ellen MacArthur speak, uh, she referred to the, the circular economy framework that they were developing as, as a framework to tell you or to inform you and support you to things that you can do rather than things you can't do. And I thought that was, that was a very interesting. And also their emphasis on inspiring um, a generation of young people. Uh, they have a very strong educational focus as well as a, a very strong business focus. And I, I, that, that appealed to me because it's, it's you know, we all, we, we all have uh, our contributions to make, but to, to inspire a, a young generation, designers, scientists, engineers, because if you don't, if we can't inspire them and educate them out of the linear way of thinking, the mindset, we're creating a generation that's also going to be part of the challenge and the lock-in to moving in a different direction. Mm. So, what 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 I liked about the circular economy was was very simple, very clear principles. Uh, Those four blocks. Like and, and, and waste equals food and uh, an economy run on renewables. And, and a possible spiral of development. A spir mm. uh, what, the, what, what, what we refer to as a systems perspective, where you can see how all these things link and interact together. And they produce very nice visual, visual graphics, which is very good at helping to communicate lots and lots of different ideas that you know, have been around for some time, but they synthesized it and, and almost revalidated revalidated a lot of these previous ideas but then gave a very very powerful business and economic case so they've done some really clever and smart things and as a result whenever I talk you know so the MBA yeah we get great students we even have students from Sweden you even have students from Google because you, you, this is an MBA that's yeah. very very important yeah and and you have two Swedish students right yeah. you can study it's not a full-time study but it gives you an MBA takes three years two years two years I'm maximum sorry. minimum of two years online online so online yeah for people in work 
usual MBA rules apply in terms of professional experience, um, but it's designed to allow you to step on and step off. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so if you get busy or you have a life change or whatever, you, or you get overwhelmed, you just step off for uh, three months, six months, pick it up again. You don't go through as a cohort. Okay. So you, you meet people, and we you meet people from our other full-time um, non-circular economy MBA. Okay. But what we're finding, this is interesting, mm-hmm. we're finding more and more of the MBA students on the traditional MBA are wanting, wanting to, to come to you. <laughs> so we've got a module just started this week, and we've got 42 who've come from the traditional MBA to take that as an elective for, okay. the, for the first time. So that's great. So congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. Peter, I want to end yes. this podcast okay. with gi- you giving us uh, the two greatest uh, starts. to If you want to, to develop your business into a circular business and a circular economy business model, what is the two main things to start with? Okay. Uh, well, apart from working out what your business model is, Yes. Um, so what I would say is work out what are, the, what are the, the, the key challenges and pressures that you're facing as a business today and in the next three to five years. Okay. What are the key challenges and stresses, and stresses you are experiencing now? Today, yeah. So what is, it, what, is the, what is it that's going to either require you to change or that you want to change? Okay? Okay. And that can be many, many different things. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Because you might decide, well, we're doing very well, thank you very much. Uh, and if that's the case, well, fine, okay, and we'll come back in two years' time and see if you're doing fine then. But mm-hmm. we, know, we know more businesses go out of business than whatever, stay in business over yes. a five-year period. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, what, 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 I, what, what is needed is a very simple, what, I guess, a circular scan. You know, what do you do? And, and do a, a scanning opportunity spotting exercise. You know, what, what, you know what's, the, what are the, what's the landscape of opportunities that we could do as a business? So that might be through a circular economy, innovation workshops that's the sort of thing we do you know so we're doing a something like that for some big corporates and we've done loads of those for SME small and medium sized enterprises but there'll be people in Sweden who can do to, can do offer you services or you do it yourself okay but you might need some support okay so a circular scam so that's the second thing yes okay that's 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 where i would start so that's how do i get started and then the, what was the second question? What are the biggest challenges? Yeah, no, it, it was the two, okay. the, two big, the two best tips that you have yeah. to get started. Yeah. And it's one is to look at wh- where are your stresses and, and your, your challenges yeah. in your business today yeah. and within five-year period of yeah. time. Yeah. And the second one is to look at the, a circular way to, to, what did you call it again? Circular scan. Circular scan. Yeah. Yeah. So you scan off and, and look where are the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So the challenges and the opportunities. Yeah. And yeah. then you get started. Yeah, and you, you really what you focus on is value, value creation. Where are we losing value and where are the value creation opportunities for us by tomato skins, remanufacturing. And reuse. how do we capture that? Yeah, and then what you've got to work through, mm. as we were looking yesterday in, in, in the event, are how do you then start to structure and model the conversation and then the analysis and then the data to be able to get you to that point that we talked about right at the start of demonstrating the, the value relative to business as usual. Mm. Okay? And, and then it be starts to become an interesting organizational strategy uh, discussion. Okay, so thank you very much for giving us this insight on how to create a positive spiral of development and thank you for clarifying what circular economy is and how it's used and how it should be used Mm -hmm. and also how you can make your business 
prosper and really make a, a good uh, effort to have a sustainable world in the future. Yeah, yeah, mm. a sustainable and circular world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. So thank you very much, Peter Hopkinson, professor at Bradford University, for attending Beckens Affairs Holbreds Vote. And uh, my name is Jessica Sidberg Woodmer, and I will hear all of you and meet all of your listeners next week also if you want to tune in. Bye.